Well, good morning to those of you who are over in the uh, worship center in our contemporary service. Uh, glad you, we could be together for our teaching time this morning. James chapter 1, go ahead and find your place if you have a copy of the scriptures. If you don't have one over there in that room, uh, there's a Bible in the pew rack right in front of you, so we encourage you uh, to grab that. Or in this room, we have our deacons can get you a copy if you need one. But a lot of folks just love using that digital device for uh, the Word of God, so that's perfectly fine. Whatever you have, James chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, we're going to continue in our study of the book of James, and really last week we looked at trials, this week we're going to look at temptations. But before we do, I want to share with you some very, very good news, exciting news that we received this past week, and really as a follow-up to last year, and I need to um, share this with you and do it in a spirit of thanksgiving to the people of Taylor's First Baptist Church. Last uh, November, we came to you, and in December, we came to you, and, and we said this, we need your help to finish the year well when it comes to our giving, because we were, frankly, staring um, at the prospect that we would finish the year uh, in, the, in the red, not in the black. In other words, we would finish the year um, with a deficit and uh, not a surplus of funds that we had um, had received, and we didn't want to do that. We, we really want to steward uh, what you provide for us well, and so we came to you and we said, we have a need. We want to finish this ministry year out well, but we also don't want to go uh, in the red. We, we want to make sure that we stay above that line, and, and so we asked you to sacrifice, and we asked you to give, and you guys gave incredibly well. In fact, um, our office tells us that last December, you ready for this? Last December, you gave um, $747,000 in one month, which uh, is, is amazing. But it also, uh, the business office tells us that it's the second largest December on record at Taylor's First Baptist Church, which um, just floored us when we saw what God did through, through you. And you sacrificed, and, and you said, we'll give a little bit more, and, and we'll be a part of this thing. And um, so when it comes to our surplus, here's what happened. We, we told our staff and we told the ministers, listen, we need to cinch up our belts. We need to, it's what you do in your family. If uh, it looks like you're not going to make it to the end of the year, you cut back and you, and you don't spend so much. And you, and you try and really, really steward well what you have. And our staff and our ministers did a phenomenal job doing that. But with this incredible outpouring of money last December, not only did we finish uh, in the black but we finished in the blot to the tune of $122,000, which is outstanding. We just were so incredibly floored by that. When I got the message, I was in a meeting. I was sitting at a table, and I got it on my iPhone, and I don't know what my face looked like when, they, when I saw that, but I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And um, just so grateful to you, so grateful to God for um, providing through you, and we're just praising him. For that. Now, let, let me pivot and, and let me remind you, okay? Let me pivot here and remind you that on January 10, uh, we had one service and the second hour we did not meet, all right? You remember that fire alarm? Wasn't that fun? All right? No, it wasn't fun. That's the answer to that. It wasn't fun. But um, we took a little hit when it, when it comes to giving on that, all right? Last week, Last week, while those of you were out sledding and having a great time in the snow, which I, I know it was, we didn't have services uh, here like we normally do. We took a hit. We take a hit. And whenever there's services, are, when the schedule is kind of changed like that, we feel that. So, so here is my challenge, all right? 
both to thank you for what you've done, but then to pivot and to say, please be faithful. Please be faithful. I know January's a difficult month because you're paying the bills, frankly. <laughs> you're paying the bills for Christmas. You're trying to work through the new year. But please, if we can sacrifice together in a beautiful way, let's be faithful together in, in a beautiful way so that we don't put ourselves in a position like we found ourselves last year where beginning of the year was tough. We made it up. The Lord was incredibly gracious to us. But here, here's what I told a couple of our guys this week in the office. I said, here's the bottom line, guys. I know January, we're looking at it already, and we're thinking, oh, boy, um, we, we need people to be faithful. I said, but, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what God did in December of last year and remember it. Take it as a down payment on God's provision for the future. And recognize that as God provided in the past, he'll provide in the future if we remain faithful to him as well. So we're encouraged. We're encouraged. We just want you to be, be faithful as well. And then here's the second thing that I want to mention by way of family business this morning. In your bulletin, you should have received a sheet that looks like this. This is our deacon nominating committee sheet. Now, that sounds really formal, and that sounds kind of okay. Um, it doesn't really pertain to me. It does. Okay? And here's what. Here's how it works here at Taylor's. All right? We select seven individuals whom we ask to do something that is so necessary, and that is to help pray through, invite, select, and present to you who will serve you as your deacon body. Who will be those servant leaders that not only do all of the things that you see week to week, but who will pray for you and who will set the tone for this church through their servant leadership? So, February 16, a couple of weeks, two weeks from this Tuesday is when those names have to be in. All right, I am asking every single member of, that, that attends both of these services, and I did it in the first service as well, but I'm challenging you to pray through and think through who is it that is a godly man or a godly woman who is not led by their own heart, but is led by the Spirit and loves this place. And loves reaching people and loves and loves seeing people grow in Christ and has a servant's heart. Let's select them because those are the ones uh, upon whom will come out, uh, will, will come our deacon body. They, they will be the, the ones who will choose that body. And so um, I ask you to turn this in. Here's how you can do it in an easy way. You can hold on to this, you can get, give it in the offering, you can turn it in the church office. But email is really the easiest way. Betty G at taylorsfbc.org. Uh, Betty G is Betty Groom. She helps us with all of that. It's a great job. Betty G at taylorsfbc.org. So I want you to write that email address down. I want you to pray through it. And then before February 16th, select individuals. And if you can't do seven, uh, just select those that you think are, are able and qualified to do that. And turn it into Betty uh, by Tuesday the 16th. All right, James chapter 1, you there? James chapter 1. We're going to get through 12 through 18 today. We're just walking through this incredible book. And, and last week, we saw where uh, James comes to uh, the people there that he is writing to. These are spread out throughout the empire, these believers. And he says, listen, I know you're suffering, and I know you have tests, and I know you have disappointments and discouragements, and I know the pressure on you is huge. 
and, and, and you're kind of wilting under this and you're kind of staggering under this weight of this pressure of the tests that come. But he explained what tests were for. They're really used by God as tools to transform you in the areas of your life where you need it most. If you're, if you're feeling pressure from the outside, if you're feeling a little, a little strain and you're feeling a little stressed, ask yourself, in this particular area, whether it's relationships or finance or your career or whether you're parenting or, or whatever it might be, you're feeling pressure, you're feeling strain, look at that pressure in the eye and say, okay, God, what is it that you are trying to change or shape or how are you trying to move me in the midst of this trial? And so he says, so consider it joy. Consider it helpful to you because God has in mind this one thing as you're going through that test. And that is to make you mature and complete. Because his heart for you is that you become like his son. That you become different. That you, that you ultimately stand before him complete. That trial is a test to get you there. So, so don't run from that. See it as an opportunity, as difficult as it might be. And God, uh, through his word last week, showed us how do we walk through that. Now, James is going to pivot this week, and he's going to say, okay, there, there's another aspect of, of testing. The, the same um, root word for trial that we, we saw last week is, is really um, is the same root word for the temptations that we'll see this week. And whether it's testing from the outside and the pressures that are on us or temptations on the inside, those things that lurk inside of us, whether it's outside or whether it's Inside, these things are, are meant by God's grace to bring us to a place where we are mature and complete in Christ. Jesus went through temptation. Jesus went through temptation to model for us and to show us what, what it's like to walk through this. And so will you and me. So will you and me. But the end game is ultimately our completion in Christ. And I want, to see, I want you to see the bridge here. Let's read verse 12 together. Here is the bridge between the testing on the outside and the temptations on the inside. Verse 12. Happy then is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. So thought number one, and I've said it and expressed it already, our aim in times of trials and temptations is simply to finish well. This, is, this verse is a bridge, all right? It's a bridge between the testing and the temptation, but the aim right in the middle is to finish well. The picture here that James gives us is, is of an athlete who finishes uh, the race. Think of the Olympics, and they, they go up on that metal stand and, and they, they take that, that metal and they, they put it over their neck. Well, back then in the first century, instead of a medal, what they would receive would be like a wreath. And they would just take this wreath and place it on the athlete's head. And this is what Jesus wants to do to you. So he, here is some inspiration for you, okay? I, I want you to, to think of this, that when Jesus sees you going through that test, and he does... And when Jesus sees you going through that temptation, and he does, here is what he longs to do. He longs to present to you and to put on your head life. 
whether it's eternal life or abundant life, He wants to crown you. He wants you to finish. He wants you to endure well. And He's longing to recognize you. His heart beats to recognize that you've made it and you've finished well. It's kind of like that commercial that uh, I've seen played a couple of times over the last few weeks. Of uh, It's a Kia car commercial. And it's this dad, and he's walking with his son. And his son has just got done playing football. And they're walking back to the car, and it must have been the very last week because his, his dad is holding the trophy. And, and on the trophy is the word participant. And the dad isn't particularly fond of the word participant. He would rather it say something else. <laughs> I don't know where you are in, in, the, in the nationwide debate on whether your kids, when they play games, deserve a trophy for just participating or not. I don't know where, you can, you can take that to lunch with you if you're concerned about that. But this dad, he, he, in his mind, you hear him saying, he's like, look, um, they finished well. They, they, they were champions. They didn't lose any of their games, and they're at the top of their league. He's thinking all these things, and he says, all right, well, that's it. And he scratches out or he removes participant, and what does he write in there? Champion. <laughs> and he gets in the car, and he says to his son, here you go, champ, and hands him the trophy. And, and, and here's what I want to leave you with um, this morning, and some of you are in difficult stretches of your life. And, and you're being pressured and you're being pulled and it hurts. Some of you are being tempted. Some of you are struggling with sin. Some of you are struggling with the desires of your heart that are leading you away. Well, as we'll see in just a second. But here, here's the picture I want to give you and James gives you, us is of God looking at you in your eyes and saying, I know. I know what you did. You have made it. And I crown you with great joy and with great life. Keep that in front of your mind. James says, happy is the man who endures, who received this crown, which God has promised to those who love him. But then second of all, James is now going to turn. He's going to say, okay, I want to talk about temptation here. Look at it. Read with me. Verses 13. Let's read all the way down to verse 15 together. Got it? Let no one say when he is tempted, though, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So here, here's what's happening. James is picking up on something in the church. And it, 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 it perhaps goes something like this. That if God has given pressure and tests on the outside, if God is allowing that to happen, then my inability to resist the test and to fall in sin and my inability to withstand uh, temptation because of all the pressure that's on me, then perhaps God is the reason that all of this is happening to me and my circumstances are, are really a result. If, if God is truly all-powerful and, and all-knowing, then really He has put me in a situation where ultimately He has caused me to sin. Now, we would never look at God 
And we would never, never say to his face, you're the cause of all this. If, if you do that, you're, 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 pretty, you're pretty brazen. But sometimes indirectly, here is what we do. You, you don't know um, the pressure I'm under. You don't know my, my family. You don't know my parents. You don't, you don't know my children. You don't know what they have done. You don't know, have you, have you said this? You don't know how long I have had to endure this marriage or this relationship or this whatever. You, you don't know. And, and, and we, we, we sin. We, we succumb to sin. And, and, and in essence, we're saying someone else other than me is responsible for this. And James says, hold it. Hold, hold, hold it. Let, let, me, let me help you. Thought number two, he says, the road to falling to temptation begins not with God, not with our circumstances, but with us. He says, verse 13, God can't be tempted um, with evil. He can't associate with evil. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. There, there's no evil that can, can penetrate into the mind and to the heart of God. This is just who he is. And he says, therefore, because of that, he, he does not tempt anybody with evil. He, he does not test anyone to the point where, where he is causing them to sin, as if God has set in motion something that will trip you up. And, and kind of he, he's, he's behind the curtain allowing all that. No, no, no. God doesn't do that. that that's against the nature of God. James says, okay, so, so if God is not at fault, then tell us, James, where's the source of, of us tripping up? And he says it's in your own desires. The road to falling to temptation begins with our own desires, and this is what this road looks like. It's our desires. Notice that at the end of verse 15 there. Our desires, when they give birth, they give birth to sin, and when sin reaches maturity or completion, it leads to destruction. So James wants to start over here and say, I don't want your life to be wrecked. I don't want your life to be best. I want your life. Remember verse 12? Remember the crown? I, this is what God wants for you, to be complete and to finish. But you're over, if you allow your desires to give birth to sin, then it comes over here to destruction. I don't want that for you. And it, so he says, okay, I want to help you with your desires. I, I want you to see where your desires are. Now, now, now notice this. Understand this about how we're wired. We all, as human beings, have natural desires that God has placed within us that we seek to be fulfilled. Every single one of you, unless you're fasting today, okay, spiritual day, that's great. Go get them. Um, but I'm going to eat lunch at, uh, today, all right? I need food. I need food. Get done preaching. Get, get done with the busy morning. I need to eat. Um, I need water. I need, uh, I need sustenance. I, I need rest. I need work. There's something inside of me that, that God has created. I need, to, I need to work and I need to rest. I need people. I need community. I need relationships. Every single one of us. I'm not meant to be alone. I need somebody. Um, I need activity. I need physical activity. I need sexual activity. This is just how God has wired us as human beings. And so we, he wants us to be satisfied in those things, but naturally... Here's what happens. We cross the line in that progression of desire, sin, destruction. We cross that line when we pursue those natural desires 
outside of the pattern and design of God and outside of his timing. For instance, the, the obvious one, sexual activity. God has wired us to long for that. But if it's done outside of his design and outside of his pattern and outside of his timing, I have taken what is a natural desire that God has given me and I've crossed the line to sin. That's how that works. Now, anything, anything in your life. It can be a natural desire to be satisfied and fulfilled, but if it's satisfied and fulfilled in a way in which we are not content with what God has provided for us, but instead we, we seek and we pursue satisfaction and pleasure, and to have that apart from him, then it crosses over to sin. And James says you're on, your road, on the road to really messing up your life. Here's the other thing. This, this is interesting about sex. Look, look at it, verse 14 again. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. While all of us have natural desires, we all have unique desires that lure or entice us away. That, that phrase, lured and entice, is a fishing term. I don't know if James was a fisherman or not. Um, Jesus hung around fishermen. He asked fishermen to come follow him. We hear them casting their nets. But the term that he uses is really a fishing term of a lure of a fish. Now, you know what happens when fish sees that worm or sees that bait. He sees something that he desires and is deceptive. But when that fish swims over by himself, away from the other fish, away from the protection of, of where he is when he moves out and he grabs that, that, that worm, what he finds out awfully, awfully quickly is that, that it has deceived him and he has been then drugged away to his destruction. And James says, every single one of you, this is interesting, while we have natural desires, he says every single one of us has a particular desire that pulls us away. That word own desire there, that word own, the Greek word is idios, for where we get the word idiosyncrasy. Every single one of us has an idios desire that if we're not aware of, will us, will be deceived as something that just attracts us and, and grabs us and pulls us away. And so James says, you need to be aware of what that is. You have your own sin. You have your own desires that, 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 are, that well up inside of you that, that lead you astray. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is for you with your own sin, but here, here's what I did um, yesterday. I, I just began naming and naming my own desires and my own my own the, the things in my life that if I don't watch it I'll just be pulled away into sin and I think for every single one of you what would be an incredible exercise is for you to name it Na name what that is I mean I, I can't get any more practical than this name and know your sin because, because James says it's, it's the hook that's going to lead you. Away. Uh, for, for some of you, I, I, have, I have no idea what those things could be. And, and we, we think of the seven deadly sins, you know, pride and anger and greed and laziness and gluttony and 
Um, we, 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 look at the, we look at the kind of the big sins. What are the big sins of the church? We know what some of those things are. Some of the, and yes, we need to name those things. We, we need to say, if pornography is a problem in your life, men, and looking at this room and in the other room, knowing the first room, there's a lot of you that are entangled in that. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. A lot of you, this is the hook that pulls you away. You just... You just need to name it. I have this desire and has led me into sin. Let me say this for men. I heard my former pastor say this. Um, the two biggest stumbling blocks of the church today, number one, materialism. Number two, Pornography, because it trips up men and wipes out men and wipes out their families and it hurts the church. You might, today might be the day where you just name it. And as we come to the Lord's Supper in both rooms, today might be the day where in your heart you name it. You say, Christ died for this. I, I, it could be something like that. That's the one we kind of always kind of put up there and, and it's significant. But, but can, I, can I bring it back? back down here as well as I was thinking through this and and here's what can easily happen to us in our Christian life we go from week to week and we go from day to day and for some of you um, you might not be followers of Jesus so, so this is something that you might not totally get but if you are a follower of Jesus you, you might understand this this rhythm and, and we have highs and we have lows and we, and we and, and we walk with Jesus, and there are days when we don't walk with Jesus. And we have good days with our families and with our relationships. We have bad days. But he, here's what can kind of be subtly hidden underneath, and that is those desires that cross over into sin, that when they are not dealt with, they are like a weight. They're like ankle weights that are attached to our ankles, and we, we are weary and we are worn because we haven't named it, we, have, we don't know it, we, we kind of instinctively know it, but we don't purposefully say, that's a hook, that's a hook that's going to drag me away and has dragged me away. And, and so what I started to do when I'm thinking through all of this, I said, okay, what, is, what do those sins look like? There, there's, those, there's, those, there's those sins that are just so obvious and so upfront in my life and, and in your life. But then there are some things that are subtle that weigh me down and pull me under. So I started going through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And, and I just said, okay, if, if those things are fruits of the Spirit, then what would be sins against the Spirit that maybe I'm dealing with that maybe you're dealing with? So try this on. Love, instead of love, we have hatred. Instead of joy, we have deep despair and discontentment. We're just never content. Instead of peace, there's anxiety and worry. Instead of patience, impatience. Instead of gentleness, there's a harsh spirit. There's a harsh tongue. Instead of goodness, there's apathy. Instead of faith, there's control. Instead of meekness, there's arrogance. There's an always having to be right. 
instead of self-control, there's either recklessness or we're controlled by other people. This is what I'm talking about, gang. Name it. Put it there. And say, this is what lures me away. This is why I trip up. This is why I fall. And James says, the beginning of temptation is not out there. It's in you. Okay, so James, help us. Help us. What do we do? Verse 16. So do not be deceived. Don't get tripped up. My beloved brothers and sisters, because, here it is, here's the good news. Every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to changing. So, James says, look, I know the test. He used a picture last week. I know the test can, can, can rock your world to the point where you're like a wave that's being tossed all over the place. And he, I know the temptations are the things that can cause you to lurk and to hide and to, and to, and to try and bob and to weave. I know you're all over the place. with the, But I want you to see the Father who is all-powerful, who is all-sovereign, who is all-knowing, and he does not change. He doesn't change in his goodness. He doesn't change in his grace and in his mercy and in his forgiveness. And he gives you things to help you in your temptation. He gives you wisdom in the middle of your test, in the middle of your testing, in the middle of your temptation. He has given you things and provision to help you. And look at his heart, verse 18. This is completely opposite of us in 15. If up in verse 15, here's the pattern. Our desire and our will, our sin and our destruction. All right, go down that path. You want to go down that path. Verse 18, James says no, but wait, wait. The Father who gives wisdom also gives good gifts to those who are in times of temptation. And look at verse 18. Of his own will, his desire, he brings us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Our desire, our sin, our destruction. But God says, all right, here's a different path, all right? The beginning of overcoming temptation, thought number three this morning, the beginning of overcoming temptation is my provision, and it's my heart to give you my word and to grow you in the word so that you can bear fruit. Now, we don't have time we don't have time to go through all that God gives us. I wish we did. I'll make it available online. All of the things that God gives us through Christ and His mercy and His grace and His word and the way of escape. You want an encouraging word? You read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me, let me just share it with you. You want an encouraging this word this morning about where you are in the middle of your temptation? Here's what it says. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. For no temptation has overtaken you that has not come to man. You're not alone. But God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here's what God graciously gives you, a way to escape. God gives you in Hebrews, he says, his son, Hebrews chapter 4 Listen to this. As we come to the Lord's table in just a second, listen. 
For we do not have a high priest, Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with where you are. Why? Because he was in every respect tempted as you are, yet he did not sin. I want you to walk away encouraged by, by what God has graciously given you in Christ. This is what we celebrate in just a minute. In his word. By his spirit. To help you. So real quickly before we pray. Real quickly. A man stopped me on the way over to the service this morning. He said thank you for sharing those simple things at the very end. Here's some, a process that will help just you perhaps resist temptation. Okay, you can write these down. and This is, this is designed for you to think through. All right, to mull over this week, to pray about, to get with other people. Number one, name and know your own sin. Name and know it. This is the first step. This is James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Secondly, seek Christ in his word. You have to find a way to connect with Christ in his word. I just read you verses which show him leading the way. The, the struggle that you go through, Christ went through that. Meditate on that. Dwell on that. Take, take courage in that. God has a way for you to escape. Meditate on that. Find courage in that. Find his word. Seek it out. Thirdly, thirdly, pray for grace on the front end of temptation and mercy when you fall. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. In the prayer that we recite and we follow Jesus' leading here. Don't lead us not into what? Temptation, but deliver us from. You, you know, you know when you're in an environment or in a situation where you're gonna, that desire is gonna well up. Um, you know what it's like to sense it, to feel it. You've been there before. Pray for grace. Pray for grace. Just abandon your heart to God's grace. Help me. And when you fall, repent. Um, here's the tendency. Is that when we sin, it's just natural. We run. Just like when you disobeyed your parents, you didn't come running to your parents. You, you ran. Repent means simply to run to the Father. Pray for grace. Pray for mercy. And then lastly, walk with others. The body of Christ is God's gift to his children for you to walk with others so that you can finish well. You cannot finish the Christian race well alone. It must be spent in engaging with the body. This is how he's designed the church. So walk with other people. You, you, I, I can't stress to you how important it is for you in times of testing or times of temptation. Not to shy away from the body, but to run to people who can walk with you, who have been where you are, 
and who together can pursue Christ in order to make you complete. Will you pray with me right now as we get ready to go to the Lord's Supper? Father, we know that within your incredible design and plan, you would see us little itty-bitty dots on the calendar, but you would love us so immensely that you would, at the beginning of time, provide a way by which we could know you and be reconciled to you and could be saved. And so, Father, I pray as we come to this table, as we've talked about our sin, this would be a time of incredible confession, a time of incredible healing, that there would be inside of our hearts just a willingness to yield everything to you because what is in our hands, the bread and the juice, is your abandonment of your son for just a short period of time in order to redeem us. So we see incredible love and response to us. And so, Father, we want to respond to you. So make this Lord's Supper, make this time... Lord, time of worship. And Lord, for those that don't know Christ, as they sit there and as they, as they just watch, would you work in their hearts? Would you melt their hearts with the love of Christ for them? We pray this in Jesus' name.